Good, in- good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to Contemporary Halakha. Tonight, we are dealing with a very sticky topic, um, and that is the ramifications of cremation. Um, this is a topic that uh, affects me uh, personally. Um, all my all my great-grandparents on my mother's side were cremated, and my, grand, uh, my late grandmother was cremated on, on that side of the family. And uh, it is something that I've dealt with uh, and deal with consistently within the Jewish community. I, um, the the question that like poses uh, the, wh- why it comes to the topic for this evening is for twofold. Number one, beginning of the parasha, Chaya Sarah deals with the question of finding a burial plot for Sarah and the importance of, of burying Sarah. And so that's sort of the, the lead in. But it's also dealing with a case that I'm dealing where I was contacted by a family in Israel who had a uh, the uh, a brother who passed away a number of months ago, and the it appears that uh, that he he was completely disconnected from the Jewish community. He was a was a Jewish guy, but disconnected from the Jewish community. And his next of kin locally, who wasn't Jewish, um, basically cremated the body. And now the question is: is can the uh, family retrieve the ashes? to bury in Israel. That is sort of the question that I'm grappling with at the moment, um, which is twofold. Grappling with it on the one hand from a logistical point of view, physically, how do we do it, especially in a COVID era? Um, I don't think you can FedEx ashes. I mean, maybe you can. Um, halacha aside, just practically, I'm not sure how one gets uh, ashes to the other side of the world. And then secondly, can you halachically, can you bury ashes in a Jewish cemetery? And um, and or thirdly, is is there an obligation to do so? So we're going to try and deal with a lot of these questions. I'm going to share my screen now to show we've got some source sheets this evening, which are really for my benefit more than for yours. The um, the these unfortunately are all um, Hebrew sources. This sort of uh, topic doesn't really lend itself to a lot of English sources. Um, the, the places where I usually get a lot of my my material. Um, doesn't translate this because we are all dealing with modern day poskim. It's uh, the idea of cremation in the ancient world was uh, just an anathema. So it's not a matter that how did they deal with it because it was never never a thing to be dealt with. It was something that uh, you know was never a choice. And we're going to deal with it from a number of different ramific- uh, different points of view. Um, one point we're going to deal with it is people who are unfortunately have been cremated. Um, due to no fault of their own um, and we'll see a couple of cases of that most notably obviously those who perished in the Shoah um, and the second are going to be those who have chosen the route or had the route chosen for them by um, by relatives so they, they've said that they want to be cremated and is that any different or that they don't want necessarily to be cremated but their children have decided to be cremated so we're going to try deal with those ramifications of what what are obligations as a, a community um, post facto, and then we'll go a little bit into pre and uh, other ramifications that exist. So we're going to deal with only modern day poski, modern day halachic authorities. So the first one, and you see, I've only the only little bit of English you're going to get this evening is going to be this on the uh, what what the general heading is. So first opinions we're going to deal with is those of the opinions that you should not bury the ashes. Meaning that once a person's been burned, there's uh, not only uh, not only do you not have to, but you should not. There's actually something you should 
refrain from doing. So someone says, um, my whoever wanted being cremated. So this was a, a, a case. This is this is personal because my when my grand my grandfather passed away quite tragically. He was he was killed in in a hijacking, and in the aftermath of the 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 the, the murder. The family was quite distraught. This is my mother's side of the family. The family who are, were very um, assimilated were very distraught. And my father, you know, stepped in and asked consultation of the rabbi. And the rabbi said, you've got to, you've got to bury him. You can't cremate him. And so my father took it upon himself um, and organized the burial and buried my, my grandfather. When my grandmother, his wife, passed away, uh, we were already in Australia and so the children that were the son that was left there cremated her body and then went and sprinkled her ashes over the grave of my grandfather. So that question is exactly what we're dealing with over here. So the first opinion we have is from Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein, the 20th century, based in New York, passed away in the early 80s. And he says, um, so those who have been cremated, either because of, in the term he uses, the wickedness of the children, meaning that the children have decided they're going to cremate their parents, or the wickedness of themselves, i.e. they've decided themselves that, you know, they don't want a Jewish burial, they want to cremate themselves. You should not bury their, their ashes in a Jewish cemetery. And furthermore, you should know the ashes don't need burial. So we're going to see a little bit more of that. But he is very clear that these these that the uh, these ashes that have been um, created as a result of going actively against the Torah. And that's the assumption. When he says Rishat, the wickedness of the children or the wickedness of the, the individual, the wickedness means is that and, and this is why it's going to be understood is that the Torah says do A and they said I'm going to do B. So such a person who flagrantly goes against the Torah, such a person doesn't get buried in a Jewish cemetery. Okay? So that's uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein's opinion. Now the second opinion here is, uh, is the, uh, a guy named Rav Chaim Ozergodensky. As you see, I've, I've, I've tried to give a little bit of color to their personalities. So he uh, died just around the, you know, the beginning of the Second World War in 1940. And he was the Rav in Vilna. And he was the, the international posek uh, just before the Second World War. And now understand that 1940, in, in, in the beginning of the, the 1900s, assimilation within the Jewish community in Europe was, was, especially in Germany, in Western Europe, was not too dissimilar as it is in the West um, today, that you'd have uh, intermarriage rates upwards of 60% in Germany. So the idea that Jews were marrying out and completely assimilating and that their culture was completely assimilating is something that was, was not, it's not something that we're dealing with in 2010, uh, 2020, that these are things that we're dealing with in 1920. So here, here, this is the way he answers the question in a very similar vein to Rav Moshe Fancy. So let me get my little pen so we can uh, follow here. Okay. It says as follows. So, so you should know, if you have the ashes of an individual and they are in a, uh, an urn, so, there are two, so when somebody passes away, there are two mitzvot that regarding their burial. Number one is something called baltalin, 
which means you should not allow the corpse to rest overnight, which is why we try to bury as soon as, as soon as possible. And the second one is um, what's called you should surely bury him. So you should surely bury him and you should not delay. So those are two mitzvahs. So it says if you keep the ashes in an urn, so you are transgressing that mitzvah, it's the same as not burying them. But he carries on. So he quotes this in the name of what he says, the Beit Yitzchak. So that's what the Beit Yitzchak says. The Beit Yitzchak, I'm not sure who the Beit Yitzchak was, but he said that if you don't bury the ashes, it's like not burying a body. So he says, uh, in the name of Supokuza, I don't agree with that opinion. I don't think that there's any obligation to bury, um, to bury ashes. Now, why would there not be, so the ashes, what is the status of ashes? Are ashes considered um, the corpse of a person now in a different state? So it used to be a, a body and now it's ashes, but halachically it's exactly the same. Meaning, so for example, can a Kohen touch ashes? So a Kohen is not allowed to come contaminated to the dead. So what about ashes? So this is a big thing if you've uh, had the uh, opportunity to go to Poland. So in Majdanek. So Majdanek is a, uh, one of the concentration camps that was just outside of Lublin in Poland. And Majdanek is uh, it's still, you know, in... In, in shape for the, you know, could be operational very quickly. But at the end of Majdanek is a giant, I don't know how you'd call it. It's like a, it looks like a barn, I suppose. It's like a, a, an outdoor gazebo, let's say, with a wall around it that is just covered, it's just ashes, huge ashes. And that's it. Now, these are the ashes of the people that were committed there. They were Jews and non-Jews. It wasn't just Jewish ashes. Now, can a Kohen touch that? So this is the way Rav Chaim Oizer is going to talk about this. He says, um, Since this person, this, 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 these ashes, it's not a corpse. It says, uh, All that remains from the, the corpse is the ash. Even if you want to say that you could be um, you could become impure. I a coin can't touch the ashes. It's impossible to say that to be any obligation to bury the ashes, considering that there's nothing there that looks like any semblance of a body. It says, no question that im ira. So you see, I underlined here im ira. If it happens. So a person is, is cremated. It happens, meaning the person was in a fire and they got cremated or, the, or in the Shoah or something. This is pre-Shoah. So someone got burnt and all that remains. So you should definitely bury them. So even for, just to ensure that no one misuses or misappropriates the ashes. Now here's the key. So you should bury them, but not in a Jewish cemetery. You should not bury in a Jewish cemetery those who choose to be cremated. Now, why? So he says, He says, you know why? Not because the Avera of, of cremation is such a terrible Avera and it warrants not being buried, but rather we need to make a statement 
that if you do this, you will not be buried in a Jewish cemetery in order to prevent people from being cremated. So he says, In order to, to uh, protest those that are becoming accustomed to cremation. And to try to put a stop to it. So you should know that if you get cremated, you're not going to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Now, I don't know how many cremations um, seek burial post-cremation. I, I have no idea what the statistics are. But apparently it was felt that if you realize that there would be no Jewish ceremony whatsoever as a result of the cremation, so people would stop being cremated. And it's one of those things that has happened throughout Jewish history where the rabbis would do things that are not necessarily halakhically warranted, but would be done in such a way to prevent. So you might have heard over time that sometimes people used to say that if you, get, if you have a tattoo, you can't get buried in Jewish cemetery. I don't know if that was ever true, but if it was true, it would be because of this reason, to prevent people getting tattoos, not because there's actually a prohibition. Similarly, um, uh, people who married out could not get bar- uh, buried in Jewish cemeteries, not because they can't get buried in a Jewish cemetery, but in order to prevent it. These sort of things happen throughout uh, history. That this matter shouldn't uh, become popular. That the Jewish people should not popularize this form of, uh, of cremation. Because you're uprooting the mitzvah of burial. And this is a, it, uh, it says, even though this has not yet spread out in our community, um, in these times, should nevertheless do it. So, so Rav Chaim Oizer, the same as Rav Moshe Feinstein, say that we cannot bury the someone who chooses to be cremated cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Ah, well, ever, even apparently, it would appear that uh, even if they were buried against, the, they were cremated against the wall. Seems to be Rav Chaim Oizer. There's no obligation to bury them because there's no. There's no body per se. Burial's on a body, and this is not a body. So it says, well, if it's not a body, what I can do? I can do whatever. I can bury wherever one. It says, no, even then, you can't. Okay, so that's the one opinion. The next opinion is uh, the Mishnah Lachot. This is Rabbi Menashe Klein, also a survivor. Um, he th- went through a uh, time in the, co- in the concentration camps and also passed away in 2011. So we're dealing with someone who is very contemporary. And he says as follows. So he, unlike the previous who said there is a prohibition, he seems to be a bit softer. He says, He says, it appears he doesn't, the word boy kvura means he doesn't need to be buried. There's no obligation on him. So if someone was cremated and they said to me, can we, you know, do we have to bury the ashes? So the answer is, no, you don't have to bury the ashes. So it says, when the Torah comes and talks about that it has to be, uh, the person has to be buried in the mitzvah of kavotek varenu and otalim, that you shouldn't delay it. So that is, hano abasa va'atzamota, mate. It says, that is when there's flesh and there's bone. At least some part of the flesh or bones remains. But the concept of burying ashes doesn't exist anywhere in the Torah. Okay, it says, um, it says, no one says, like a command mitzvah kvura midin kvura to make. It says, there's no concept of burying ashes. So if someone comes and says, can I? 
So he doesn't seem to speak about it one way or the other. But he does say the fact that there's definitely no obligation to do so. So we've gone from the one extreme, which... And I'm not sure that Rav Menashe Klam would necessarily say that you, you, uh, you can. Maybe he would also agree with the previous statements that you can't. But what he's saying is that there's no obligation. So no one would say that there's an obligation. But there is an interesting way of looking at it. And this is something which um, is going to lead us into a, a deeper way of understanding this. And there's quite a bit of Hebrew here, but I will take you along the line. And that is um, that sometimes it's not such a black or white question. And dare I say, in, in the world of halacha, very seldom is it a black or white question. Because there are so many um, factors that often need to be taken into account regarding these sensitive topics. So here's the question. So I mentioned that people got cremated um, in the Shoah, but also uh, for other reasons. So here's a case. This is, again, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein passed away in the 80s. And he says as follows. So there was this Jewish guy who was buried in Russia. And in Russia, they buried them, Jews, non-Jews, everyone together. There was no such thing as a Jewish cemetery. Because according to the Soviet government, there are no Jewish cemeteries under the Soviet government. So after a period of time, eventually the family of this deceased got an exemption to leave and go to America. And they didn't want to leave their, assume their parents, buried there in the non-Jewish cemetery. And they, and, and they tried to take, to exhume the body in order to take the, the body with them to America. But the Russians wouldn't allow them. So what the Russians did, so seems that what happened is they said, we are, we are immigrating to America. And they went to the Russian authorities and said, our relative is buried there. We want to take them with us. So the Russians exhumed the body and cremated the remains and then gave the ashes to uh, the family. So this is someone who was buried, like buried in a non-Jewish cemetery. So they were buried as best as they could have been buried. And then the Russians unwittingly to the family cremated the remains. And now they've got the ashes. And now the question to ask Rav Moshe Fansi, So can we bury those ashes in a Jewish cemetery? So this is different. This is not a person who wanted to be buried, wanted to be cremated. This is a person who was cremated. Now, if we go on earlier thing, is there an obligation to bury, to bury the ashes seemingly? According to what we said before, there can't be an obligation. There's no body left to bury. Um, is there a prohibition? So the prohibitions that we saw earlier was to try stop people from cremating, but that wouldn't be the case here. Here's a case that it's, it's, these are these definitely, a, this is not someone who's asked to be cremated. This is something that was done against their will, against the family's will. So maybe one can be lenient. So this is why Rav Moshe says, So he says, I think that it would be good to bury those ashes in for the honor of the deceased. Even though there's no obligation, again, there's no obligation to bury it because there's no body. Nevertheless, it would be lichvod in honor of them. And if the deceased, these ashes, belong to his father, so there's the mitzvah of honoring your parents. 
Okay, anyone should not uh, delay. Okay, if there are other people who need to be buried, you shouldn't delay it, meaning that the ashes don't take precedence over a, 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 a real funeral. So it says, Hina, Ephra mate, Ensech Kvura Mechiuv Kvurat mate, Kishain Shladokayemet. So there's definitely no obligation to bury somebody who doesn't have some form of the body that is there. But if it's being buried in honor to in order to honor the deceased, and through burying what is remains of these, these ashes that remain of his body, we don't stop them. We allow them to do such a thing. And possibly this is actually a very good thing to do. So all the more so as if it's a father. So I'm now into the next paragraph. Now, one of the things that the Gemara talks about is uh, that you should never bury a wicked person next to a righteous person. Righteous and wicked should never be buried next to each other. So this is a, a, a difficult topic, and in different parts of the world they deal with it um, in different ways. Now, what is a righteous, what is a wicked? So, for example, in certain communities they have... Uh, you know, observant um, parts of the cemetery and non-observant parts of the cemetery. So everyone's Jewish. But how do you deal with it? And this is a big question that we have in Sydney, is how do you deal with a cemetery where it's a Jewish cemetery, but a lot of people who who want to be buried there halachically are not Jewish? So this is an interesting question at Macquarie. At Rookwood, it's less of an issue, but at Macquarie, it's quite an issue because at Macquarie, um, pretty much, as long as a person says they're Jewish, um, they'll get buried in the Jewish cemetery. They don't have to show any credentials. And that's by the Hevra Kedisha. Now, it's quite a controversial position because potentially you can have Jews and non-Jews being buried together, let alone Jews that are righteous and wicked, whatever the case might be. But now the question that he's asking is that uh, can by putting ashes next to a, a grave, do we have this concept of putting a wicked next to a, a righteous? Now, granted, this is not, uh, quote-unquote, the wicked side because this is not a person who chose to be cremated. But what Moshe says is, even so, it wouldn't be an issue. Afshaya, Afshaya, mate, Russia. says, even if the ashes of the deceased was a wicked person, Shane Kovim totally, that you could never bury him. He says, Since the ashes have no significance as far as being part of the, the body, so therefore, it would not be a halachic problem to bury the ashes because the ashes don't have any status and it's only been done in honor of the deceased. So if the deceased was uh, a parent or something and, the, and seemingly the cremation, according to Moshe, happened against his will or unknowingly or whatever the case might be, so in such a case, we could bury the ashes and it would, no one could protest and no one would say, I don't want the ashes of so-and-so being buried next to my late father. They said the complaints are nothing because halachically these ashes don't have any status. It's just a, for lack of a better, it is a token gesture in honor of the deceased. It's halachically meaningless, but it's a token gesture in honor of the deceased. So um, just a couple of extra points here. So of Tzvi Pesach Frank. So this is about those who peri perished in the Shoah. So if we had um, ashes of those. So he's going to be uh, even more forceful than that, that... Uh, Kvarot, uh, uh, so he passed away in, I think it was the 1940s, 1960. 
So it's also relatively recent, and he dealt with, um, he, was, he was the Rov of Yerushalayim. Um, and so he says, uh, um, So regarding the burial of ashes of those who perished in the Machnot Hashmada in the death camps, the is there a mitzvah, an obligation to bury those ashes? So he says, nearly pashuta baru bavadai ika mitzvah chiyuv In my mind, I don't have to go into too much details. He says, no question, there's an obligation to do so. Now, the, what 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 um, what we have to go into more length, what we could go into more length is when he says there's an obligation. Are we talking about a halachic obligation of burial? And since these people were cremated against their will, so we have to treat them as if they are, um, as if the bodies still exist, and therefore they, they're actually a mitzvah of burial. Or is this more of a symbolic thing that because the same way as Rav Moshe said that there's this idea that to honor the deceased, so this is coming out of honoring rather than obligation. So it's not clear whether they agree. It could be that they disagree. It could be that uh, Rav, uh, Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank would be much more uh, stringent and say that they actually do need to. Um, they do need to bury it. So he says, um, let's see. Um, so he gives a whole bunch of reasons why he feels that one is still obligated to bury it. So it sounds like he's against Rav Moshe in that there is an obligation to bury, which would mean that um, it could, you know, it's a stringency or a leniency. So if you say there's an obligation to bury the, the ashes because the ashes have some substance to them, then theoretically it would also be prohibited to bury them in the wrong place, either in a non-Jewish cemetery or to bury them next to someone, you know, who was, who was wicked. Let's say that. So, but we see over there that when someone who's perished, Al-Kiddush Hashem, that has been killed, that so there are opinions that it is obligated to, um, to bury them. Okay, the last, the last opinion I'm going to bring tonight, and this is, um, it's, it's going to be a bit more uh, broad-ranging because the topic this evening is ramifications of cremation, not just what do you do with the ashes, but the ramifications. Now, the Srida Aish, this is Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, and you look at the timing, he's written, he, this, this is a, a response that was written in the 7th of December, 1930. So we are Nuremberg... You know, around the time of Nuremberg Laws, uh, it's just it precedes it, but um, I, think, I think it precedes the Nuremberg Laws. But we're dealing with a very heightened time of anxiety within German Jewry. He is based in Germany. His name uh, was Rivchil Yaakov Weinberg. He was a Russian citizen and in the early stages of the war was arrested as an enemy alien, as a Russian prisoner, and he was sent to jail for the entirety of the war. And so even though he was a Rof, he was a Rav in Berlin, he, he escaped the camps. But not only was he, did he escape the camps, he was ignorant of the camps. And it, it's uh, in the, his, the biography regarding him talks about now he was a German rabbi. And one of the, the big things he set up was the yeshiva in Berlin. Didn't set up, he ran the yeshiva in Berlin, which really tried to embrace the best of German culture along with the yeshiva world. When he survived and came out of jail um, and realized that literally the whole Holocaust had you know, caught him by surprise, that you go into jail and it's just uncomfortable for the Jews and you come out and two-thirds of European Jewry has been eradicated, he, he falls into a terrible depression which takes him many, many years to get out of. 
and he deals with in his uh, his responsa, he deals with a lot of the questions that were dealing that either that were responses to the Nuremberg laws of shechita. Uh, how do you deal? How do you slaughter animals when the laws are against slaughtering unless you stun them? Can you stun the animals? And a lot of the questions that dealt with modernity um, at the time, and are many in many cases still relevant today. So he asked the same question. And it says, uh, So after someone has been cremated, can you, um, can you bury them? So he says, If you put the arons in the ashes, can you bury the ashes along with all the other Jews? He says, It says, No question. In the strongest terms possible, that it is prohibited. And God forbid it should never happen in Israel that we do such thing. Says, I looked in the east, in the east, in this case, the eastern Europe. Says, no rav in his right mind would allow uh, the ashes to be buried. And uh, quotes, uh, Now, this is the key, and this. Um, has a lot of ramifications. And this is even worse. This of someone cremating is one of the worst virus you can do. So you get some people who are wicked in their lifetimes. This guy, it's not enough that he did terrible virus, terrible sins while he's alive. Now, even after his death, he's doing a virus that he's being cremated. He wants to separate his body from all other Jews. He says, like, could it get worse than that? This is a terrible, terrible avaira. He carries on. So his predecessor was Rav Hoffman, and he says, also, totally prohibited. But he says, my predecessor... Um, judged more favorably and was a bit more lenient. Says, it, because in Germany it has already become the custom that you just bury everybody together, the Shomrei Shabbat with the non Shomrei Shabbat, everybody, all Jews, regardless of how observant or non observant, everyone gets buried together, which isn't the case in, in Europe, in Eastern Europe. So why should we make any difference between these people who cremated with those who were Mechalal Shabbos and those who ate treif? And the, so, so Rav David Smiofman says it should make no difference. So, and maybe you could say that just before they died, in their minds they said, you know what, I, I've done terrible virus, I actually recant everything, I, I repent everything. But, and, but he never had time to iterate to his family that he didn't want to be cremated. And they just going through with it. So maybe the guy's actually a good guy and he wanted to be buried, but too little, too late. So he says, But says Rav Chiyakvam, he says, I think that is, that's a bit of a stretch. He said, and I hadn't seen that it actually had the uh, sign, this autograph, the seal and sign of, of my Rebbe that said this, I would never have believed it. It is so outlandish to think that you could ever bury someone who was cremated in a Jewish cemetery. I, I would never believe that anyone had said it. Uh, I saw it, but it, it, I, I completely disagree with it. 
So after I've written in, and, and I, I didn't bring the whole response, he says, "Wait, be safe. Should Menachem Elaza sheelech she asulik vor eifer nisrafim?" Bequote yourself. So he found another book that agrees with him that you shouldn't bury that. The Lord, and furthermore, elo shelfidato eimit nablim veinon animalen. So not only do you not bury the ashes, you do not sit shiva on them, you do not mourn them, and expand it on. You not say kaddish. None of that stuff gets said. It says, That somebody who poresh, who separates themselves from the community, from the ways of the community, you have nothing to, we don't need to get involved with them. So this is the equivalent of chayrim. So if somebody's put in excommunication, so if a person's in excommunicated, if they die, we don't, the Hebrew Kedisha doesn't come to bury them. They just leave them. And if you're in a place where, you know, the person was literally lying in the gutter. Person put in kharim. They'd leave the they'd leave the body in the gutter. They would not bury the body. That's what excommunication means. You post death. You we do not deal with you at all. And it says the Sri age. Same thing over here. When a person has chosen to be cremated, you don't say shiva. You don't say kaddish. You don't have anything to do with them. It's the worst thing you can do. You don't have anything to do with them whatsoever. And so that is the way the Sri Aish Paskins, that Lamaisa practically, you don't have anything to do with it. Now, I had a question a number of years ago, where it was when I was still uh, quite fresh in my rabbinic career. And I had a case in the community that uh, someone passed away and was cremated. And the children asked me if they could say Kaddish for their, for their mother. So I asked a certain rabbi in Sydney, and he quoted the Sri H, and he said, uh, absolutely not. And I heard, like, why? He said, because, and, and the other source brought that the person who cremates is that they don't believe in the reincarnation, and they don't believe in the Mashiach, and, it's, and they, they could, there's no greater uh, Avera because this person is sort of, you know, usually when we die, it's the last, we can't do any more Averas, but this person sort of managed to do another sin after they die. I, I, they said that to me, and I disagreed. So I called Rav Herschel Shechter. Actually, I didn't call him. I went when I was in New York. I went to Rav Herschel Shechter, who's the Rosh Yeshiva in Yeshiva University. And I went to him and I said, I said, like, this is my question. As someone who gets cremated, do we deny them funeral rights? And my logic was, and not too dissimilar to what we saw by the Rav David Svi Hoffman, is that, if we're going to say that people's non-observance in, the, in, in, in modernity is not coming out of wickedness, most people who are not observant are not doing it out of an active choice that they've seen Judaism, they've seen all Judaism so often, they've learned, they know, they're very well involved with Judaism, and they say it's all a load of crock and, and leave it. I, I don't know many Jews like that. The vast majority, majority of non-observant Jews in, let's say in our community is they, they live a lifestyle that an observant that observance is just not part of. They never grew up with Shabbat that you would keep Shabbat. Shabbat Saturdays where you played golf, you went to the beach, you went shopping, you did whatever your case might be. But like Judaism was Friday night dinners. Judaism was maybe going to shul occasionally. Judaism was you don't eat pork. That's all they knew. And this halachic status is what we call a tinok shenishpa. It's literally that, uh, so the tinok shenishpa concept is somebody who is being raised by Gentiles. So a Jewish child that is raised by Gentiles and doesn't know it's Jewish. So is that Jewish child accountable for not keeping kosher, not keeping Shabbos? So the answer is obviously not. 
because they didn't know any better. So nowadays, most Jews in, in, in some ways also grew up not knowing better. And when I say not knowing better, it's not that they didn't know that Shabbos existed, but it was just not part of their reality. My guess is most people, looking at the core, most people on this call never at some point you know, said, should we keep Shabbat you know, as, as a serious consideration? It, it was just never part, you know, should you fast on Yom Kippur? Maybe there was a chance. Should we eat uh, out on Pesach? If we don't eat bread, should we eat out? Or we said, no, Pesach, we don't. Maybe those are places where these are real questions. But Shabbat, Kashrut, these are not questions that people had. And if someone's going to be cremated, should we just put it in the same category that these are people that the, the reason for cremation is not out of rebellion. They're not saying that Torah says bury and we say no. These are people who cremated because they don't like the idea of being buried or you know, it's, it's, it's more cost effective or, or, or whatever the case might be. It's not being done out of rebellion. And if it's not being done out of rebellion, are we really going to deny them burial rights? And especially if the kids, if the kids want to say Kaddish, should they treat their parents as somebody who is wicked when really they just didn't know better that this is the world they lived in. So I said to Rav Herschel Shecht and he agreed completely with me. And that's that's the way we that's the way I've I've held myself. That you know, if I were to know somebody who as an ideological um affront to Judaism said we are going to I want to be cremated because I believe Judaism is rubbish and uh and I think everything about Judaism is rubbish, then I would say yeah, so then such a person you probably shouldn't say Kaddish for. The same way as uh, like if someone wants an aliyah to the Torah. So a guy says, I'm a, an atheist. I do not believe in God. Will you call me up to the Torah? So I say, no, I won't call you up to the Torah. So like, why? I'm not Jewish. I said, you might be 100% Jewish. But you can't say Baruch Hashem that you are blessing Hashem when you, when you actively don't believe in Hashem. You've got to believe in Hashem. You might not. I don't ask everyone's theological position when they get an aliyah. But I assume if you get an aliyah in shul, in, in your own way, you believe in God, whatever that means. So your God and my God not, might not be exactly the same, but we both believe in God and that's what you're blessing. But if you're telling me you don't believe in God, then how can I give you an aliyah? So it's, it's like you say, I believe in God, but the Torah is rubbish. So, okay, if you, don't, if you think the Torah is rubbish, how do you say, if you don't believe in the Torah, you can't get an aliyah. It's the same thing, yeah. It's like if a person rejects Judaism, and actively rejects it, and we know that they've actively rejected it, so then I can hear the idea that you don't say Kaddish, you don't say Shiva and the like. But I, I don't know a case of a cremation where that has been, it's been an ideological stance. Invariably, it has been an emotional stance taken by the family or by the, by the individual and the like. Now, one last part, and it's getting late, so I'll just sort of touch on it. And that is the, the, the story that I brought at the beginning that when my grandfather was killed, my father, on advice of his rabbi, intervened and against the will of my grandfather and against the will of the, his children, um, buried, buried him. And are we obligated to do that? So if I know someone who's going to be cremated, is, what is my obligation to prevent that cremation? Now, as a rabbi, there's a limit to how much power I have. I can just try influence people and, and try recommend. Where this has become a very tricky subject, and I've had to deal with it on a number of occasions, is when there are siblings that disagree. So the deceased wanted to be cremated, and some of the siblings want to follow the parents' wishes, and some want to follow halacha. And the question comes is, how much are you prepared to have a fallout with your siblings in order to fulfill this mitzvah? And that is a much trickier question, because um, I, I, don't think it's such a, I don't think it's black and white. I think that... Um, 
it is a serious thing that you need to try um, impose or, or, or impress upon your your siblings that this is very important and even though dad or mom um, want to be cremated if they knew now if they knew then what they know now that they're in the next world they would have wanted to be buried and in Shemaim they want to be buried they don't want to be and you try your best but if if it's adamant is it worth um, having a fallout with your siblings to go against their will and to do it behind their back it's, it's very hard to say that it's that level um, it's not got to try your best but i don't i don't think you um and again case by case but i don't think you destroy your family over trying to get uh, this one but i could hear the argument on the other way around but case by case anyway so it's a sticky topic this this evening i was looking at online i see that this is a topic that no doubt affects a lot of you um if anyone would like to ask a question i now invite you to unmute yourself and uh, ask away Assuming that, considering I can't see anyone, I'm also assuming that there are people there, which might be an assumption. Okay, going. Anyone questions? Thank you, Michael. Good, good to know you there. Good to know you there. All right, all right, everybody. Well, thank you very much. Wonderful to see you tomorrow night. We are having a special in conjunction with a number of other shuls and uh, and institutions. We are doing a memorial for Rabbi Sachs, of which I will be one of the speakers. I hope you can join us. It's not on the Zoom. It's on the email that went out. If you didn't get the email, let me know, and I will send you the Zoom. Hope you have a pleasant evening and a good week. Alatov.